Welcome to episode 38 of Void Video. I'm your host, Evan Jordan, a.k.a. That Evan Jordan on Twitter. And I'm Nick, a.k.a. Agent Ehrlich on Twitter. And this week we're diving into the filmography of one of our favorite modern filmmakers, which is Jim Cummings. And you can check out his recently released film, The Beta Test, on VOD now. And we're going to dive into that first, uh, and we'll go through it like we normally do with uh, kind of the, the first little bit of the story, beat by beat, and then, you know, obviously keep out spoilers and and then turn, turn it loose with general thoughts. Before diving into uh, his, his past two films, The Wolf of Snow Hollow and Thunder Road, and those we're just going to give general thoughts on for length, obviously, and uh, then kind of give some thoughts about Jim at the end, and uh, maybe what we hope to see from in the future from him. Who knows where we'll go by the end of this, but... Yeah, um, I think on the second episode, I had brought up The Wolf of Snow Hollow, so... And you hadn't watched yeah. it then, I believe, and now right. you've watched it since. So. I, I'd never seen a Jim Cummings film before then, and uh, you actually introduced me to him, so I appreciate that. I, uh, I loved uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow, and then I went back and watched Thunder Road, and it's probably my favorite of his, and then the beta test just came out, and I liked it also, so it's it's... He's a great filmmaker, and he he kind of embodies uh, uh, indie. You know, he does it all himself, and kind of has said "fuck you" to the traditional Hollywood system, which you know anybody yeah, who knows, which me, is, I'm, knows I'm all about saying "fuck the man." Yeah, it's kind of interesting <laughs> for a guy who lives in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he has has he he usually makes movies with with PJ McCabe. Has he done all of them with him? I think uh, the beta test was the first one. Was it? Yeah, I feel like maybe production producer thing. Oh, okay. Maybe they just yeah. Maybe they just yeah. And I think that they smaller capacity in, in the shorts and stuff that they did before. Um. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe. But yeah, I think that this yeah. is the first one that they actually worked together. On. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, we I guess some like some of Jim Cummings' history that I found out listening to his his spaces. He does these Twitter spaces and if you're following Jim Cummings on Twitter, you you probably know about it, but if you don't, you should check it out. And if you're not following Jim Cummings on Twitter, pull up Twitter right now and follow Jim Cummings. Like what are you doing? Yeah, uh, I think his handle is Jimmy C, that's me. It is. Yep. At Jimmy C, that's me. I'll put He's the link also, to his, his Twitter in the description. He also too. um frequents letterboxd and he's known for leaving five-star reviews for everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he also yeah. like leaves notes for uh because I, I don't is is it too early to talk about that he was in halloween kills <laughs> i don't think so um i was gonna say i, I think most... anybody who was super excited to see that saw it you know yeah yeah but he has a it's like a little more than a cameo because he's in probably five ten minutes like a pretty yeah good size cameo role in Halloween Kills because he's Yeah, he's in one of the the like flashback sequences and it's pretty long. Yeah, it's like right at the beginning. But uh yeah, I guess he's friends with um David Gordon Green, so I can see that. In the the Thunder Road, he plays a cop and I know he loves playing cops for some reason. That that's kind of he's he's played cops in two of his his three movies he's made and then in one in somebody else's movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh what I was going to say though the Twitter spaces, he talked about he actually worked, he was doing shorts and stuff too, but he was working for, I believe it was College Humor, and yeah. that's that's crazy to me that like he went from College Humor to Thunder Road, um, and he did like a couple music videos for for Lil Dicky during that time. <laughs> yeah, he also uh, produced the Trey Edward Schultz movie, Krisha, which yeah, that's uh, if right. you haven't seen that, highly recommend, but that was like the movie that got him into the director's chair like that was the last movie he produced for someone else before i think he finally's like i'm gonna be a director and 
uh, made Thunder Road. Yeah, that's awesome. That he, I, yeah, had he made? I wonder had he made the Thunder Road short at that point or not yet? I don't think so. I was curious if he had the short, and that was what inspired him to go. Hey, you know, that could be a feature because Krisha uh, uh, was how long ago? Twenty fifteen, and Thunder Road was twenty fifteen. Was twenty eighteen, and yeah, I the feel short like twenty sixteen. Yeah, so Krisha was way before all of that. But yeah, we can uh, we can move on into uh, the beta test if you want his latest release, which, like I mentioned before, you can you can get right now on VOD. I know we like to usually say the price. Uh, I believe it was fifteen dollars to buy, but a seven dollar rental. Yeah, it looks like seven dollar rental, fifteen dollar purchase. You were you were correct. But yeah, this movie is is kind of a uh, he steers away from the the cop stuff a little bit, and it's kind of a darkly comedic look at the kind of negative side of the Hollywood film industry involving agents and involving uh, sexual misconduct and all kind of stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's like a a satire almost of Hollywood agents. and Yeah, it's just like a socially aware satire, you know, because I don't think it, this was a bold movie to make, I feel like, in today's day and age, and I, he tackled it pretty gracefully, honestly. Yeah, and I know in, in one of the spaces he actually talked about that he had some agents reach out to him like after the movie came out, and it was like, uh, "Hey, what, what the hell, what the hell was that?" Oh man, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, <laughs> so he got in a little bit of trouble for uh, making it, but all all three of his movies are pretty good, so um, definitely recommend all three. Yeah, I, I agree, but I've heard a lot that like there's so much his movies are so similar, but I, and I guess there's a bit of merit to that, but I don't think that's true because I think that's too broad of a generalization because it has that a similar character archetype in each one played by Jim Cummings, but like I think like thematically and stylistically they're all pretty different, you know. Yeah, but they all three kind of lead to his characters on the edge of like a breakdown, yeah. essentially. Yeah, that, his that's... super neurotic character. Yeah, that's like the big, you know, if you read the reviews on Letterboxd, uh, a lot of them mention that. But I do think he still gives a very different performance in this one. And in the beta test, he actually reminded me a lot of uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho a little bit. Ah, I could see that. I didn't think of that when I was watching it, but yeah, I could see that. You like Huey Lewis in the news? They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83... I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. But I guess we can go into like the the opening before we even meet Jim Cummings' character. Of it opens and it's like she's like an actress, right, or like a some sort of a model or something like that. Yeah, and she's married to some. It, it's like a uh, I believe they're talking in Russian or Ukrainian. It's an Eastern Bloc kind of language they're speaking, and I th- I think he's he seems kind of like. Uh, Maybe he's into crime. I don't know. He seems intimidating. <laughs> he did seem kind of mob bossy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He had a mob bossy kind of vibe to him for sure. Yeah, but uh, she's like asking for money to go away. She like just wants to get out of it. And she's like, I will never bother you again. Just give me a small sum of, I think it was like $10,000 or something. Yeah, it was like five or 10 grand, something like that. Yeah, she like just wants to get away. And, you know, you could tell he's kind of like feeling out what she's trying to say. Yeah, he's just and, staring at her. Like, he doesn't say a fucking word at first. And it's like, man, is this guy about to come unhinged or what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and uh, he very... You almost kind of don't notice it at first, but he like grabs a knife and like inserts it into her like throat and yeah. kills her. 
and she's like screaming and i think she crawls the balcony or something she's crawling away and he picks her up takes her out to the balcony and throws her off of it yeah and because she tells him that she she got a letter in the mail about an anonymous sexual encounter and she did it and that it made her realize how unhappy she'd been and as he's just sitting there listening to all this as soon as she's done he just stabs her right in the throat and it's like you said it's so quick that at first you almost don't realize what just happened until blood starts gushing out you know yeah usually like when you see a scene like that they like make it very prominent like oh you know blood squirting right away and it's like they're screaming in terror but it's like she like it takes a second to register that he had just stabbed her <laughs> right it's like she just freezes mid-sentence and just sitting there for a second and it's like it's like her and the viewer trying to figure out what the hell just happened <laughs> yeah and it's like a it's like a teaser, I guess, to what's to come because then it cuts to uh, Jim Cummings playing Jordan Hines, who is a Hollywood agent, and he gets he's like uh, getting married soon. Yeah, he's like still planning the wedding, you know, getting prepared for their wedding. But uh, he receives right. this purple purple envelope. Yeah, purple envelope with like gold uh, kind of borders, but gold like imprint around the edges. You know, it looks really fancy and shit. Yeah, it invites him to a an anonymous sexual encounter, and he throws it in the trash, I think. <laughs> yeah, his wife's like, what's that, honey? And he's like, oh, it's just a wedding invitation. And uh, Yeah, it's like a old classmate. They get back to the room, and he, she asks him, is it, is, it, is it prettier than ours? And he's like, of course not. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he shows him throwing it in the trash whenever they go in the apartment, and he, like, fishes it back out later, you know? Yeah, but it, then he goes to his job as a Hollywood agent, and he enters, and he, like, seemingly has everything. You know, he's got a nice car, you know, he's, like, playing with his uh, Invisalign teeth thing in the car yeah. before he goes in. Like, he's got, like, the prim and proper Hollywood agent sort of fake life, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's played off like he's, like, super confident. Yeah, on the exterior, he appears to be... Very confident, very successful, but uh, the viewers quickly realize that he's, like, internally losing his shit, like, having a crisis, you know? Yeah, and uh, they're about to, like, close this deal with this, like, uh, it's, like... It's a big Chinese agency. Yeah, it's, like, some sort of another big client or whatever, and even the client calls him out as, like, as fake, you know? Like, he can kind of see through it. And he has an assistant that kind of gets the, the, most of the load of his, uh stress-induced rage that comes out sometimes and she uh, is like a new hire and probably a shittily paid intern yeah there's like a weird like hierarchy there and she just takes it because she doesn't have anywhere else to go i guess like she thinks that's her exactly yeah that she thinks that's her place i feel like and that's bullshit kind of that she feels like that and that's i like that's what he i think tried to say with that too you know yeah and uh like the editing, I think, is very, like, neurotic, too. Like, it's very quick-paced, and which is weird because a lot of his other films have a lot of long takes. Like, I know yeah. he loves that, uh, like, the long takes, and they're very methodically edited. But I think it fit this, you know? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, is, like, I, I feel like it fits that, like, Patrick Bateman psycho character that he plays in this. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And, like... I just want to like mention how it's fucking incredible to me that every movie this guy makes has been, you know, like I think at least 500k or less. I think 200k or less if I'm being honest, but uh and it looks like a multi-million dollar movie. The cinematography is is partly so good. The the color grading is perfect. Like it's just 
all of it looks so expensive and it's it's not like that's something that i feel like it's very hard to accomplish and he does a great job yeah i mean i hate to burst your bubble on this but the wolf of snow hollow the budget was two million <laughs> oh yeah. shit okay the, the, well that's the, that's still pretty low but though. what's crazy is the beta test is only two hundred fifty thousand, and i feel like it's the best looking of the three and it might just be the weird la neo-noir look to it could be and probably like i'd say as far as cast the wolf of snow hollow has the most yeah and they uh, also had those huge aerial shots in uh wolf of snow hollow like in the yeah. opening the very like the mountainous so like a lot of that stuff could have played into it and like, i would i would imagine filming in the snow adds some some cost right because it's just harder to get everything where you need it harder to get around probably it's just more expensive to shoot yeah and they're like shooting at a location that they don't own or anything right like the beta test like that could just be any old office really but uh i was saying the editing is like very quick paced and like neurotic almost yeah it mirrors his personality yeah it mirrors his personality and as he like starts to break down it gets like a little more disorienting too there's actually a really cool uh he's talking to he has like his business partner slash best friend i think best man in the wedding probably uh yeah i believe so played by pj mccabe who co-wrote and co-directed this movie with jim cummings so uh we've given jim cummings all the flowers here so far but it would this one was a team effort and i think it kind of you can see a bit in the writing the difference i think it's a a little different pacing wise and and tonally and stuff Uh, probably also because of like the shift to the to the setting it's not a cop thing it's not a you know like you said it's the hollywood thing but also probably having pj writing with him contributed to that also you know yeah definitely so he's at the office and he's just like you know he you could tell he's kind of like super stressed out so he goes and digs that letter out of the uh the trash and he investigates it yeah to see he like fills it out and it's got like questions on it and he mails it up i think his like assistant takes it from him and mails it out for him like he still wasn't sure if he yeah. wanted to do it like he was like i don't know if i want to do this but i'm gonna fill it out as like a ha 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 i filled it out sort of thing yeah because uh, pj walks in and goes hey the uh chinese client the really high profile chinese client that we were talking about is is in the lobby and he's he's like what like what the fuck they're he- like they're here and he had just finished filling out this questionnaire about his sexual preferences and stuff to send back and it's all sealed and stuff in his hand and he's like carrying it down the hallway as he's following pj and he's trying to figure out like am i gonna send this and also the clients here and what am i gonna do and his his assistant ends up pulling it out of his hand and he's freaking out about it but he walks away and she mails it yeah he mails it out and then he gets like the location of the the meetup or whatever and he goes to it and he gets to the door and like he sees the uh like the mask that they put on if you've seen the i believe it's in the poster right the mask yeah there's a couple different poster designs but one of the poster designs well actually they both because the one that has his giant red face in the blue strip has him kissing the girl and they both have on the masks but there is one poster design that's really cool that is like the door handle with the mask hanging off of it it's that mask yeah, but he walks up to the door and he sees the because like he still thinks that he's being fucked with. He's probably like, oh, it's PJ or somebody, you know, is one of his right. friends fucking with him or one of his agent buddies. But he gets to it and like the the mask is there and he like double takes. He's like, no way, you know. And then he goes in and he does it. Yeah, it's pretty drawn out. It's like he he goes in with the mask on. He's like feeling his way around the room, obviously, because he's got a blindfold on. And it's he sits down in a chair and he says hello. And then the girl like walks around the corner and it's pretty drawn out, uh, extensive sex scene. I, I'll, I'll give him props too, because any filmmaker who 
gets bare ass naked in their own movie, you get props from me. Yeah, you know? and I know in the in the spaces someone asked him about that, and he said that was the most uncomfortable thing he's ever shot. <laughs> like he said, yeah, I'm he, sure he hated it. <laughs> I can I can imagine that would be super fucking uncomfortable. Yeah, but uh, I think it's like even it's intercut with like him at work again, right? And I think like it's a very it is, yeah, it's it's much more positive. Like you could tell it kind of like relieved a lot of that stress, and he like looks more on point when he's in that like montage. Yeah, he does for sure. It's like yes. he comes back in a little refreshed a bit. A little rejuvenated, you know? And then, like, yeah, it leads him down the rabbit hole when he gets back of, am I going to get caught? What was right. going on here? And, like, who was that It only takes person? a few days for that to kick in for him because of who he is, you know? <laughs> yeah. That refreshing feeling only lasts a couple days, and he's back to, oh, fuck, I'm so screwed. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite scenes is, so he... He decides to, inv- I guess, like, the rest of the movie is him investigating what that envelope, who who sent it, you know, who was the girl, you know, because they were both blindfolded, and <laughs> I think PJ at one point asked him, why don't you just take the blindfold off, and he's just like, I think he just said, like, I was ashamed or something like that, I forget what he said. <laughs> yeah, uh, PJ was asking him, like, so if you didn't take the blindfold off, do you know if she had her blindfold on? And he's like, I'm pretty sure she did, because I could feel it, and he said, well, do you know if there was somebody else in the room? And he goes, oh. Well, shit, now I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's like feeding into the paranoia. But one of my favorite scenes is when he first starts investigating it, he goes back to the hotel and he goes to like the reception and he's like, I had a room <laughs> yes. here. And he like, he keeps lying because he's like, I'm a big shot Hollywood Asian. I have a lot of big shot clients and, uh, you know, I had a room here and they're like, all right, I uh, just need some ID and the name. And he's like, well, someone else did rented the hotel for me. He like, comes up with all these excuses. And then he's, he's just like, like so I don't I don't know the name it was under, but I can tell you the the date and stuff, you know, and the even the yeah. time was like two PM. Or wait, I guess it wasn't really any certain time, just that day. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then he like they're like not gonna get they're like, Oh, it's policy we can't he's like, Well, what if I'm a cop? He's like and then the receptionist is just like, Well you just told me you're a bit oh if you were a cop, you would have uh A shown me a badge right when you walked in the door and B not told me how big sh- how much of a big shot Hollywood agent you are for yeah. the last 20 minutes <laughs> and, and yeah and and uh jordan goes yeah that's a good point and, and he takes <laughs> the information he learned from that like stick up and applies it to uh his like apartment yes yeah, further yeah <laughs> his further investigations <laughs> yeah his apartment billing to figure out who, who left it in his mailbox or whatever but like so essentially right. the rest of the movie is him investigating it we won't go super in depth to spoil like yeah, he what? basically is following it, though, lead to lead, you know, uh, yeah, throughout think, the rest of the film. Yeah, that's like a really strong, like, there's a really strong, like, mystery element to it. Yeah. It also includes some other people who uh, get these letters as well. It, and it doesn't really dive into their story nearly as deeply, obviously, as Jordan's. But it does kind of cut to some scenes of other people who got similar letters and show you a, a bit of a peek at how it was handled by others also. Pretty, pretty poorly, uh, and pretty, pretty badly. Uh, yeah, it's kinda, people don't take this stuff well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of tied into the the narrative on like everybody getting them because like yeah. PJ helps him investigate them, and that's the scene with the bar and like the the camera spinning around. That, I love like, that. Yes, yeah, the that camera a, goes all around them as they're talking. Was that was it a drone there flying around him? I forget. He did talk about this in his spaces before. Um, he talked about uh that shot because that was impressive that looks so good yeah because it like goes all the way around the bar and like 
keeps circling yeah. him as he's like explaining what you know information he found you know and i will right. say it is kind of <laughs> it's weird that how pj reacts to it but also like it might be accurate how pj would react to it if he was a real person because like he doesn't like oh you cheated on your fiance like that would be the first thing right that most people would right. be like <laughs> but he's just like nah i'll help you out of it <laughs> yeah care. the first thing he does is go oh, wait, 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 wait what's going on here hold on wait this is really happening you really did this in this climate yeah but there's definitely not a lot of people who are very relatable i would say in this movie i guess it is probably i think it's the least relatable probably of of the movies he's made i think it was done intentionally to show you how out of touch those sort of people are yeah exactly and and also because it it kind of was to make a statement as well and i think it's okay that it's not relatable because you're able to see the statement he's making with it you know yeah because i i just the only reason it's not relatable is just because we're not big shot hollywood agents you know but yeah and we haven't dealt with big shot hollywood agents either so you know right (laughs) right uh and i've never cheated on my wife so i you know i can't (laughs) relate to that part either you know (laughs) but I, i just i think he does a really good job of portraying these people and what i it would imagine they'd probably be like, you know. And also, it's worth a shout out that to Virginia Newcomb uh, as Caroline Gates, his his fiance, who has some uh, incredibly strong scenes. I think with with powerful emotional reactions, and she does them very convincingly. Yeah, and also, who plays the um, the receptionist? Because she takes a beating in one scene, like not like a physical beating, but like a verbal. <laughs> beating from jim cummings and like she just like took it in like you could see it in her face and like her reactions it's like really i don't know she was a a great supporting role too i think yeah she really was because you could see on her face that she was so pissed and so uncomfortable and she wanted to say something but also she knew she kind of couldn't because she needs that job you know and yeah another kind of had to sit there i can't use the language that i'd like to use to you right now because of the new direction that the agency and the country is going how are you going to look tomorrow when you come in are you going to convince me today that you're better at your job tomorrow? Jacqueline. I think maybe now is a good time we all take a break and, and reassess what it is we're doing here. Another one of my favorite scenes is when like he's pissed off in the office by himself. I forget he like he like lost a like a loose end and he breaks the window and she just like working in there late and like just gets up you know like uh. yes and he's like that's a great so he throws his phone through the window is what he does yeah Yeah. and like that right there kind of showed you know jim cummings character was like so obsessed with like getting caught you know or like finding this girl to maybe continue the relationship or like something but like she was in there working right still like that late right at night so it like shows the work ethic level of an intern versus an actual agent i guess that's a good point i didn't really consider that for that scene but you're right that's a really good point that it does kind of highlight the fact that the boss was not actually working he's only there because it's a private place he can talk about his personal affairs and you know the one who's paid significantly less or i mean i never brought up maybe she's an unpaid intern who fucking knows it's you know she's there working late because she's the one who has the workload which that's a good point yeah and there's also a scene where uh it's like right after he has the encounter i think it might be after he breaks the window he goes into pj's having a meeting and jim cummings walks in and he goes hey uh pj just real quick um <laughs> where's that thing that we used to do but we don't do as much anymore but <laughs> we do sometimes yeah. <laughs> he's like I- i'm sorry to interrupt i don't you know i don't uh 
I, I, I'm not trying to cause a scene. Just PJ, I need to know about uh, the location of the thing that I used to do. Yeah, but you know, the one that I, I don't do that much anymore, but I still do sometimes. And, and uh, PJ's like, it's, it's not what you guys think it is. Yeah. Top left drawer. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's not what you think it is. It's top left drawer, and then it was exactly what I thought it was, but maybe not what they would have thought it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, he doesn't, he, he didn't, str- he never struck me at any point. If it was one of two things in my mind, it was either dr- drugs, but the only drug that this guy sh- strikes me as he might would do is cocaine but i think it would really just send him over the edge you know like i don't think he could do that yeah, he almost <laughs> seems like too neurotic to do yeah that. yeah yeah exactly i was He'd like unless like, he's just on it the whole the time edge. maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah who knows there is, is there any point in this movie where he's just like calm and at peace <laughs> i don't think so yeah just maybe right after the sexual encounter briefly but it it's very short-lived yeah and there is another point but i can't say it I will right. say, though, another thing. I listened to a podcast that Jim Cummings was on, and he talked about the movie Rear Window. And if anyone's ever seen that, yeah. there's a scene where the guy across the, the apartment that, you know, he thinks murdered his wife or whatever right. comes over, and they have a confrontation. And they sit. Jim Cummings was saying he loves it when there's a scene when the protagonist and the antagonist meet and they're both right and i think that this movie because it made me think i was like oh that is an interesting point i didn't even think about that with rear window that they were both right yeah definitely i, I it's been a while since i've seen Rear window but i get the, i think i get the comparison there you know get what he's saying also that's something that changed for disturbia then huh because because there's no way david morris is right in that movie he's a fucking serial killer <laughs> <laughs> maybe that one's not heralded that's why that one's not heralded as a classic like <laughs> I, I guess to to mention a, a couple things i didn't like is and it's not it's not even that i didn't like them it's just that things that i think are worth pointing out is that it's pretty tonally uneven at, at times but i think it's just due to the nature of the story because and the character like exactly yeah, he's unstable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that could, that could have probably been intentional because it doesn't feel like a distraction. He he makes it flow, you know. And I think that speaks to the power of his acting and directing abilities, you know. Yeah, well. and I I know on that podcast that I listened to him on, he said like one of the things he loves, like almost all of his favorite movies are genre fluid, which means that they fluctuate between horror comedy. They could be everything at once. So yeah. that's why I think the tone in all three movies really the tone is like. It's hard to nail down what exactly type of yeah. what this is like a, a thriller drama. What, like, what are you what are you labeling? This yeah. As? Comedy. yeah, his movies are what the, the film kids would call genre films, you know, uh, that that kind of uh, they just uh, is that embody not? genres. It's not. Yeah, but a genre film encompasses what like one genre very like to a T, I think like very no 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 discreet. i don't think so i think it's the opposite right oh, i was thinking like a genre film's like a slasher which is like then it falls all the tropes of a slasher it could deviate a little bit but it's genre as a slasher these films are more like they're genre fluid maybe it is i'm not sure because i, I i've always called those genre films but i probably may have been mislabeling that but i i uh yeah cause i like, definitely okay. Kind of okay. prefer those kind of movies, you know, the ones that kind of blur the lines between genre. Yeah, it's very like mumblecore in a way. Like we talk about mumblecore. I don't know if we have yeah. ever talked about one on this episode or podcast. Maybe like Nebraska straight story. Yeah. Um, but like a, a genre film is like a creature feature because it's like a single 
genre. The yeah, way maybe I, I just always misuse that term. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm misusing it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Tweet us or come join the Void Video Discord. There's a link in the description. Tell us who's who's right or wrong there, and educate us on our uh, film vocabulary. We gotta get our lingo right, you know, so the kids think we're hip. Huey released this for their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. Yeah, but uh, back to Jim Cummings a little bit. This film kind of defies classification because it is a satire it's got comedic elements it's got dramatic elements it's got like the steamy romance erotic thrillers sort of thing going about it it's got like the lynchian weird mystery thing to it yeah it's got a lot of definitely uh, different ideas floating around in here and i think it could feel like i could definitely see someone watching and be like that's a lot of stuff to take in <laughs> in one yeah 90, in, in 90 minutes too all of his movies are 90 minutes yeah. there's a lot thrown at you in 90 minutes <laughs> yeah he does a good job i think of conveying a lot of information in 90 minutes and he does it without it feeling like he's info dumping on you you know like he does it very organically this is almost like you said it's like a, a very stressful thing it's like a i would call it like an uncut gems for the hollywood film industry almost <laughs> yeah definitely uncut gems too i also got a bit of a gone girl is that a spoiler a gone girl vibe with the uh how it plays out <laughs> i don't know um it definitely because it's got the mystery you know and there's some violence like we mentioned the one the one violent scene that we mentioned is not the only one i won't say anything else but you know there's some more yeah so yeah i could i could see that comparison a bit and i don't think that gives away too much yeah and i guess unless if you have something else you want to add to the beta test i definitely recommend it it's great i'm not sure if it's getting a streaming service release but i think it's worth the at least the rental sometimes. yeah yeah i think it's worth the rental for sure especially I'll if probably you like... grab the blu-ray uh, yeah it comes out yeah, yeah, especially if you like like Lynchian thrillers, or as I said, it's got like a an American Psycho vibe to it. Uh, a lot of things, and it's just a an interesting piece, I think. Yeah, one thing I do want to say is I I did find it like hard to sympathize with Jordan, which in a lot of movies that's that would make it harder to enjoy if it's hard to sympathize with your protagonist. But I feel like the way Jim and PJ wrote this story. They, they crafted it in such a way that it never asks you to sympathize with the main character. Merely asks you to watch it play out, you know, and, yeah, and, po I, and I, while pointing out, you know, real life yeah, aspects it's of the industry. It's a weird spot. I think in the rewatch, it kind of hit me a little more that, yeah, you like you want him to simultaneously solve the mystery because like you as the viewer want to know, like, you know, who sent the envelope and why and all that. But also you're like, right. I kind of hope that uh, his uh, fiance kills him. <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely didn't like him like as a person in this movie you know but i but i i didn't i think it speaks to their their power as writers and 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 as performers you know and directors that it doesn't it's still the movie's still super likable despite the character the, that it follows not being super likable yeah none of the i would say none of the characters really at all are all that likable yeah yeah uh i think it's it's super well made i i honestly probably would have, would have given it a perfect score had it not been for that single aspect because i was like there's no representation of somebody going hey that was bad you shouldn't do that <laughs> yeah. but, but as i said like in but that that's world, intentional you know? i don't think there is that accountability for it there's that's no, true there's no one like you know you know you've had like harvey weinstein do that shit for 30 years and nobody held him accountable you know, so like yeah. who's going to hold Jordan fucking Agent Hines to it, you know? Yeah, definitely. It, it's intentional in it and it it's probably those kind of people are few and far between in that world who actually would 
have some, you know, the proper morals. So I, yeah, I definitely. It, it almost a, seems like a movie that was made for Jim and his friends that are in that world, you know, that have seen it. They're like, oh man, I, you know, that's so relatable, you know, but like to yeah. us as an average person, I definitely, it's not relatable at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, There's no like, oh, he's obsessing over this mystery and oh my God, he's got to solve it. It's like, I mean, you, you want him to solve it, but you're also like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It, it, <laughs> you yeah it feels like a movie that's kind of, like you said, for the industry a bit, you know? And I wonder, I wonder if we'll get any, any awards nods for that reason. Or do you think they'll avoid it for that reason? As someone who follows it a little bit, I would say that they'd avoid it for that reason. <laughs> yeah, that's why I asked because I know I know you do you follow that more than I do, and I I I was curious kind of if they if they chose to to give it a nod specifically because it was if, commenting on it so much, or if they just didn't touch it because it was too. If you were to give it one one nomination in any category, which one do you think it would be? Because I think for me, I'll, I'll let you say yours first. See if we got the same. Probably cinematography. Okay, you think it should get a cinematography nod? I think it should get uh, original screenplay. But yeah, I was gonna say maybe writing. Um, yeah, the screenplay, like all the dialogue was on point and very much. Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say writing or 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 cinematography because I think both aspects of it are of those are are top notch. You know. Yeah. And I think it's it's just like i like i said earlier it's just super fucking bold that he made this movie and it, they touch on like you said everything from harvey's misconduct to they even have a a reverse scarlet letter metaphor in this movie so it's it's very aware you know of like people's perceptions of of the subject matter it, it pulls it off you know successfully yeah and as i said it feels accurate to the sort of people who probably do exist in the world right so right like that don't give a fuck and do whatever the hell they want so <laughs> yeah exactly and then try exactly. to be sympathetic while they're doing it, which is kind of what Jordan does. Like he wants people to feel bad for him, or yeah, help me, help isn't that me. weird? How they, yeah, he like wanted people to feel bad for him, and it's like he has so many things, and he just spit yeah. on it. And, like even uh, in yeah. the a lot of the details uh, that I didn't pick up on the first time, I noticed on the second time. Like when he uh, he says he leased his car, like most like yeah. well off people would own their car right like they buy their car not lease it like you'd, you'd think, think yeah yeah so like everything's just like a facade with him you know and you it's appearances yeah it's all appearances you know even pj mentions though at one point that they're not wealthy you know and that's yeah i think that's when he brings up the the car thing like he leases the car and he's like we drive expensive cars so they think we're wealthy you know uh yeah and then they... which you're right it's all about appearances. I did like how they had, like their scheme was to like Venmo them two cents to get their two cents. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. Yeah, that whole... <laughs> Oh yeah, bro. So I sent the guy a Venmo request for two pennies to get his two cents about Jordan and I being his agents. And that worked? Fuck yeah, it worked. That's why I ordered champagne. We're meeting with this team tomorrow. Oh. New world. Is that legal? What, are we going to get in trouble? Excuse me. He never tells me anything. Uh, but yeah, you uh, you can get the beta test on on all major VOD services now, and uh, I, I feel like at some point it's gonna hit some streaming services because both of his movies have now. But I guess with that, we can uh, move on to the Wolf of Snow Hollow, and as we mentioned, we won't go through it in as much detail. But uh, just a quick what it is. It's um, 
Let's see here. Pull up the old IMDb plot synopsis Ter uh, that says, Terror grips a small mountain town as bodies are discovered after each full moon. Losing sleep, raising a teenage daughter, and caring for his ailing father, Officer Marshall struggles to remind himself there's no such thing as werewolves. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... Um, in, in the vein of his other films, a very neurotic kind of werewolf black comedy. And it also opens incredibly similar to the beta test with the them being uh the girl being killed by the yeah the werewolf or yeah it does think is a werewolf what john marshall jim cummings character is convinced is not a werewolf but that is probably a werewolf <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a a point where they're dealing with the the cops and like he's you know adamant it's a human and you know Apparently, someone's been leaking to the press, and I think I actually mentioned this on the second episode too. This scene, and uh, they're investigating it, and he says some are saying it's a werewolf, and the the camera like slowly pans over to the the news reporter van, and they're like rolling up the window, like saying that oh, we didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think all of his his movies kind of they have something to say, and this one definitely plays with with. I think both public perception of events of, of tragic events happening or traumatic events and also of professional handling of tragic events or, or violent events. Yeah. But also through the lens of his super neurotic like dude character who's about to entirely lose his shit. <laughs> yeah. In this like small mountain town. It, it opens with a gorgeous aerial shot that like, you know, it's. You know, that looked expensive. <laughs> that, that, that shot yeah. alone probably cost more than all of the beta tests in Thunder Road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, I wonder if, it has the divorce aspect too. I wonder if Jim Cummings is a child of divorce or if he's been divorced himself. Has he ever mentioned that in any interviews you've listened to? I don't think so. Um. Because I know like Noah Baumbach, for instance, you know, like is a... Uh, very like his movies touch on his childhood a lot like squid and the whale you know and stuff like that and it's a marriage lot of his movies story. are very similar to his life what's that marriage story yeah exactly like it's all but i don't know if jim cummings he's never came out and said that i've heard you know that hey this i did that i wrote this because it's similar to what happened to me or you know i lived through it or whatever yeah and i'm also curious about the police officer angle because he clearly he's played that well, role in two of his films and I know why he chose a police officer for Thunder Road, but we will get to that. Oh, so yeah, yeah, when we on. get to I, it. I okay. do know why he chose a police officer for that one, though, which I think just kind of like then it was his first feature, and he kept, you know, kind of like wanted to keep that uh, vibe going, I guess. Okay. Like he, okay. He or maybe just like likes playing a police officer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but, and uh, he definitely is a director who works to his strengths, I think, and that's part of that, too, you know? Yeah. I think where he gets that, like, that, what we were saying, the genre fluid sort of thing. Like, he works to his strengths, like, because he's not... And that's that's probably part of how he keeps the cost he... so low, too, is by doing that as well, yeah. you know? But yeah, uh, I know you went into detail uh, kind of on your thoughts about Wolf of Snow Hollow when we had the episode. Is there any anything you noticed on a rewatch that you I didn't notice the first time? Uh, There is, like, a lot of the, the jokes and the dialogue didn't really catch the first time but i do I, I don't think i brought it up on the second episode but uh ricky lindholm who plays like his second in command officer or whatever like the one who works with them she like does the crime scene photos and stuff uh yes 
I love her in Garfunkel and Oates. It's like a sketch comedy musical show that was on like. Oh really? It's like in the vein of like Portlandia or something like that. But that show is phenomenal and like. I'm gonna have to watch that because I I fuck with Portlandia. I love that show. Yeah, it's like a it's sketch comedy, but there's a lot of music in it, so it's like music comedy. Sort yeah, of I was thing. guessing from the name, like because it, it's like it sounds like a riff on Simon and Garfunkel and Hollow Notes, right? It, it definitely, um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's her and okay. Kate Micucci, and they. Just oh my god, songs. I love her yeah. too. Yeah, She's so raunchy, funny. I want to check that out. That's a good wreck, Nick. But uh, some of the dialogue I caught <laughs> in the opening, they're talking about like going to catch the werewolf or whatever, and one of the other officers is like, I got drunk drivers to catch, which is like kind of sad, but also true. Like in that sort of roar, cause like I live in Wisconsin, so it's like kind of similar yeah. ish to this drunk driving is like a huge thing, you know? Yeah. I won't like my childhood. I grew up in Colorado and Wyoming, a lot of, a lot of it and definitely similar, you know, like rural mountain towns, uh, because there's nothing to do. So people drink or do drugs, you know? Yeah, so like him going out to catch a drunk driver is a sly joke, but also like uh, that's probably what he's actually going to have to be doing. Hey, the, both of these first two movies, I think, that he did, I mean, they all have a grounded feel to him. It's just that we can't relate to the grounded aspect of the beta test as much. But he he's good at at making stuff that is is both kind of stylized or satirical or or what what have you, but also grounded and and believable. And I, I feel like. Maybe The Wolf of Snow Hollow is the only movie he's made that his signature character character archetype wasn't like necessary to the story, but I think it added a kind of Jim Cummings flair to what could have otherwise been a standard kind of werewolf affair with some comic flavor, which I would have still liked because let's be honest, there's not nearly enough of that. But it, you know, I think him adding that character, that neurotic character to it, and the divorce and the the single father element. Uh, kind of added a Jim Cummings flair to it, and yeah, definitely wasn't necessary. But I think also like with the pacing and the tone of it, it like it it needs that sort of character, that that balance of comedy and seriousness, I guess. Right. Oh, 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 oh fuck you! I'm sorry. I I I didn't know you were sleeping. Well, I'm wide awake now. What can I do for you? Well, somebody's been calling you on your walkie-talkie. I don't know what to do. Oh. Oh. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. And hey, Ray, quick librarian note. Yeah, yeah. A police officer asked you to take out all the spooky books in a library. Maybe don't sneak up on him. I'm sorry, John. No, it's fine. Thank you for doing that. But had that been another member of my team, what you just pulled right there, that could have ended in a shooting. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, and that would have been lights out for Ray. It kind of reminds me a bit of, of it's, it's Cohen-ish. Yeah, maybe a little more outlandish than Cohen's, because Cohen's is like a lot more subtle, like very real human. Yeah. But like Jim Cummings are like a little more caricature ish. Yeah. Yeah. This one specifically is the one that's that's kind of Cohenish to me, and I think it's probably the rural setting too, the snowy rural setting and the quirky police officer character. You know. Yeah. There, there's a scene in this one where uh, Ricky Lindholm's character is like getting the crime scene photos, and like I forget she makes some sort of joke, and like all everyone is busting out laughing and then she pulls out the envelope with all the photos in it and lays out all the crime scene photos and they just all stop laughing and she goes uh everybody laughs till she pulls out the crime scene photos and it's like kind of <laughs> like that because like one second they were laughing and one uh the second second is like it's time to get down to business you know serious right so like that's like right. the, t- the tone you know 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, honestly, this is probably the funniest of the three movies that he's made. Yeah, I think so, too. It also might be the, kind of think, like, maybe the, the most accessible one as well. Yeah, probably so. It's, I mean, they're all hilarious at times, but the comedy here takes kind of the center stage, I feel like, you know? Yeah, the- and, and it, it doesn't require a lot out of you in terms of watching it. Like, it's a very simple, you know, it's a werewolf story, but is it a werewolf story? It's also just like a, a kind of a slasher, <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the the mystery aspect of it held up a little less for me on a rewatch. Uh, this is probably, I think, his least rewatchable movie. But it, like you said, I think it's also his most accessible. So yeah, there was also a joke, and I don't know if maybe I wrote it down and then I wrote question mark after it, and then I never researched it, <laughs> which I'm prone to do. So maybe you know the answer to this. At one point, a character says, "You're not Riki Tiki Tava." <laughs> Riki Tiki Tavi? Is it that? I don't know, but it's. I wrote down. You're not Riki Tiki Tava, and I wanted to know what that meant. Is that like some sort of urban legend sort of thing? Riki Tiki Tavi is like a kid's story, I believe. Um, okay, maybe it's he said it wrong, like in the thing on purpose. Might have, yeah, or maybe I because it's from the it says it's from the Jungle Book, actually, which I didn't know, but I knew it was a kid's story of some sort. Um, and yeah, maybe so, maybe he said it wrong on purpose. I don't know what is he, he probably was just making fun of her name, but. That's a cool reference. I wonder if why he. he put oh that yeah, because her name is Riki Lindholm. Okay, that right. could be it. But her character's name is not Riki, right? Yeah, it's Julia. I guess that could just be that sort of. Right, the joke to her real name, but like kind of a almost meta joke a bit. <laughs> yeah, I was curious about that. I forgot to look it up. But I wonder why he also chose that for Riki Tiki Tavi. Like, I wonder if he likes that story or something. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, there was also a funny bit where the the convenience store they have like the new sign up um and this is like in the midst of like him trying to say it's not a werewolf you know keep it on the down low and it cuts over to them putting up their new sign and it says uh stop the snow hollow wolf man see something say something it it says say (laughs) something but he like obviously hasn't finished the uh, lettering thing but it says right you know it's kind of like the the call to the the military thing see something say something there's a lot of little nods like that, kind of little, almost Easter eggish meta nods, you know. Yeah. There's a uh, some great visual effects in this. The the werewolf shots and stuff look really, really good, and like the violence is solid. All the gore and stuff, you know. And he uses kind of the implied violence technique a good bit. Uh, you know, stuff like what the original text Chainsaw Master used, where you kind of remember it as being brutal because you make most of it up in your head because it cuts at, you know, right before it is super gory. But there are a couple that it does show it, and it's really good. Uh, there's a very famous director who said something along the lines of, like, the scariest thing is, like, the imagination. The things you don't see are scarier than the things that you can right. see because, like, the things you see you can quantify in your head, but, like, the things you conjure exactly. in your head that they don't show you could be anything. Yeah. You know? Well, because, I mean, you hear, like, quotes about people people remembering Texas Chainsaw is one of the most violent movies of all time, but most of the kills in that movie, it cuts away before it actually shows him cutting the person, you know? And yeah, but it's cause they may in their head, they imagine what happened. So they remember it as being super violent, you know? Yeah. And there's really a lot of how the human sight kind of perceives that stuff. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of really long takes. I like the revolving camera long take when they're investigating the second crime, I believe. Or the, they're in, 
investigating some other crime and it's like a very long take and it's like it's juggling a lot of things like he walks up and then he's investigating then like the news reporters are there then another deputy shows up and you know it's just like it's a long take following everyone as they kind of go around the crime scene yeah and also we haven't mentioned yet but this this uh movie has an incredible final performance from the legendary actor robert forster uh oh, this was his last role right before he died I believe so. Yeah, he and plays uh, the sheriff. Yeah, Jim's dad, the sheriff. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's he's great in in so many things. One of my favorites is Jackie Brown, obviously, because you know I'm a big Tarantino fan. But uh, I think he's great in that, and just a, a, a phenomenal actor. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff over the years, for sure. Overall, I think there's like not a ton of werewolf stuff too. So I that definitely made me like it more right off the bat, just because I like horror and I like the horror comedies, and it just seems like. Until recently, there weren't a ton of werewolf ones. We've gotten a couple here lately with 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 this, and then with werewolves within. But um, yeah. Also, this is like a is it a werewolf? Is it a not werewolf movie? Which I think is also like not done either. Because usually it's like if you're a creature feature, you're a creature feature. You know, right? Like, you know from the beginning like all oh, this thing exists definitively or not. In this movie, you're constantly like, oh, was that or you know, it's like it's like giving you breadcrumbs, I guess. It's almost kind of giallo-ish a bit in its execution because it's playing with is it a werewolf or is it a person? And if it is a person, then what? who is it, you know? Yeah, and they're like trying to pass it off as an animal to like maybe get away with it or something. Right. Yeah, it, it definitely does Uh, kind of that that part is super unique to it because most, like you said, creature features are hard into it's 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 definitely a creature feature, you know, and this is kind of a whodunit creature feature. So sorry, everybody. Let me just make this perfectly clear. There is no such thing as werewolves. They're imaginary. Our killer is a guy, and I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kill... And we're going to bring him to justice, legally and together. She has paw prints in here. Yeah, sorry, Chavez. Please, enlighten us. Did you take forensic psychology at your college? online fuck you asshole yeah and i think it's uh it's super funny and it has some cool kills and it has uh some great camera work like you said and it's just a fun watch i think overall and and like you said it's super accessible if you've not seen a jim cummings movie maybe this is is probably the one you should start with you know yeah because i feel like thunder road applies to certain people more than others and then beta test is like that very as we said like we found it hard to relate because we're not in that space you know right yeah exactly and like which i'm sure a lot of his audience is not you know dealing with hollywood agents all the time you know yeah thunder road is my personal favorite of the three but yeah mine too i i think that definitely has a lot to do with like our upbringing and our you know a lot of that kind of kind of stuff and our life experience and things like that too probably play a lot into that you know yeah i guess we can uh flip over to uh thunder road then but uh you can check out wolf of snow hollow on epics you said it's a yeah prime, it's, a, it's on the the epics i'm not sure if epics has a has a standalone uh option i think it, I think it does uh yeah so you can do it that way if it does but i know i i have it through prime video channels because that's how i rewatched this and um i believe they had a, a free trial or something like that that i signed up for and forgot to cancel but um <laughs> but uh, you can get it through like prime video channels hulu or apple tv i think as an as an add-on you know and yeah, everybody knows if they've listened to the show that I'm a big I'm a big purveyor of the add-ons. Uh, you know, I, I do Prime, but I definitely like that option. So I, no matter what route you take, I definitely suggest you know bundle that shit. And it's so convenient to just go to the same app. 
But yeah, let's slide on into Thunder Road, uh, which is the 2018 feature film based on the 2016 short film of the same name. Centered around a police officer named Jim Arnod, who is kind of facing a, a personal meltdown of sorts. Uh, a lot of crises are going on. Crises, I guess, are going on in his life. Uh, he's just going through a been through a divorce, and he's dealing with the death of his mother, which is how the film opens. I, I haven't watched the short, so maybe you have. Is the short is that scene, right? The opening scene of the funeral. Mm, okay, so this is where. Uh... Um, I can add a little backstory to this. So Perfect. The short, so you know how in the movie it opens and he's talking about the Bruce, Bruce Springsteen song? Yeah. He's like performing it. In the short, the song actually plays. Uh, okay, because he didn't have to worry about paying rights for it, right? Because he released no. it? or No. So this is where it'll... Uh... So it, it's... He did it... Um. I forgot why he why yeah why he wouldn't he just use that and then I think because like in the short he didn't have to follow it up with anything but I think in the the feature like you have to follow it up then right like yeah that's true because I know in a spaces he talked about like this movie being kind of tricky to pull off because like in a normal movie this would be the end of the movie right yes like he thought it would be interesting if he placed it at the beginning. You You're know, right. It would be the, the the standard Hollywood kind of way of making this would be the divorce is happening and his mom dies and then that funeral is how it ends. But you know, as you know, Jim Jim Cummings being the brilliant dude he is, so let's fucking start the movie with that. And see what happens after, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which I think makes for a far more interesting character study. Yeah, when he did the uh, short, it took him six t- takes. Uh, he did he did six takes. It didn't take him six takes, I don't think. He just like did it for time reasons or whatever. And he right. used the, the sixth one and he like just said he, he felt it in the room that it was uh like the one, you know? And then when he did the feature and he got to do it again, he actually did the first nine takes with the music. And then they they took a break because apparently he wasn't hitting right or something. And then he did 10 more without the music and on the 19th one he he was like that's the one without the music you know it, it kind of okay. conveniently works in their favor yeah because they don't need the rights to the music because that's what initially what i had thought too right uh, yeah that's what i that's what i was thinking when you said that is oh okay because that that's smart because you didn't have to pay for the rights but just happy accident yeah i think it was just like kind of uh you know the, the music thing wasn't working so they they flipped it off and just you know let's try it without Okay, that's really cool. That uh, that that scene almost feels very like theater esque. He actually mentioned this too. Like it's uh, oh, he mentioned some like old school. Like he like he likes like silent comedies a lot. Like the things with no oh, words. Yes. And it's like performance art and like theater stage stuff like that. So like that's yeah. where that sort of like physical comedy because he's like doing the dance. Yeah, and the, I could totally the hand see gestures. that. I, I yeah. love like Marx Brothers stuff, like Night at the yeah. Opera and all that stuff. That totally yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and he said, like, that's, like, because, you know, he's doing all the hand motions, and it's like a one-man show, essentially, you know? But it's yeah. also incredibly powerful because he's doing it for the for the death of his mother. Right. It's it's simultaneously, like, the physical comedy of those, those kind of Ch- Chaplin and Marx Brothers and stuff, and, like, mixed with, like, super powerful emotion, because, like, this guy's mom's just died, and he just is, like, it's, you can tell he's a man who's struggling with coping with this. He doesn't know how to do it, and it's, 
he's having a breakdown over it because it's really it's got his anxiety so high that he's just lost his mom and his wife to a divorce his mom to death and he, he just doesn't know how to deal with any of it you know yeah and he got that juxtaposition of uh like the real and like the comedy from uh, a very unlikely source i guess you'd say um his favorite pixar movie is inside out <laughs> and he mentioned <laughs> that as one of his like movies that like he tries to aspire to get that tone that mix of real life shit with the comedy that's for, wow i uh <laughs> that's uh, uh, all right admission i've seen every single pixar movie oh except my. that one Except, Except that for my favorite one. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to remedy that. We have a lot of the Pixar stuff anyway, because the kids love it, and I love watching those. Some of my favorite animated stuff. But I'm gonna have to check that out now, especially yeah, after see, that. I really love Coco too. That's another recent one that uh, yes, Coco is amazing. Coco's amazing, but uh, yeah. I, you know what I think is un- unfairly discredited in Pixar discussions is is the good dinosaur. I, I like that fucking say movie. That. But let's get back to Jim Cummings. <laughs> 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 I don't have 15 minutes to talk to you about the good dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah, we'll do an episode but, on the good dinosaur one day. <laughs> yeah, that's Patreon content right there, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it opens with that, you know, and it's a uh, nine, ten, ten minutes, ten minutes, I want to say. Twelve, twelve uninterrupted minutes. Yeah, twelve interrupted minutes. So, like, there's an audience there. So, like, yeah, anyone else fucks up and laughs or, you know, that sort of thing, like, that could ruin the shot, too. So, I don't know, that's uh, an impressive feat for what is going on. It really is, yeah. And he, he's talking and performing through almost the entire thing, as well as interacting with other people, like you said. So there's so many different things that could go wrong there that, that they just really nailed it. That makes it super impressive immediately, you know? Yeah, and I think that's a, a the big thing about this movie is, like, the emotional... Whether you want to put them as highs or lows, like, the, the, the emotional outbursts in this movie with how the camera lingers on it for the entire oh, yeah. time it makes it feel so real you know yeah, it's like something powerful happens and it, it makes you sit in the moment it doesn't cut away to something else that happens later it's like let's sit there with you for a second it makes it more effective don't be talk yeah i'll talk you don't want me to talk i got dirt on all of y'all i'll start with myself my wife left me a year and a half ago there laugh it up i slept in my car Three weeks, Jerry saw it. Isn't that right, Jerry? Yeah, I brought you breakfast. Thank you so much for doing that, Jerry. That meant a lot back then. You're drunk. I'm not drunk, I'm angry, I realize that. I'll calm down. No, I'll calm down. I lost my daughter today. For what? So I could impress you, I gave up my family. And I also think he's just really likable in this movie, like in the scene yes, where yeah. uh, he's talking to the his daughter's teacher and like yeah, making Blair. Yeah. Making Blair plays the teacher. Um, but, uh, he, he goes into it and like, he knows his ex-wife is kind of a drug addict and like not a good mother really, but he doesn't throw her under the bus when he goes to the teacher. He's like, Oh, it's my fault. And Oh, you know, she spends the week there and then she forgets the homework. And, you know, so it's kind of my fault too. Like he's, he's taking the blame for things he should be taking the blame for in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of comes in the door, you can tell, with the, with the all right, I'm going to take charge attitude. And he, he, he quickly, through his rising anxiety, like has a breakdown there also, like you said, and, and, and kind of owns all of it, even though he knows 
some of it's not his fault you know yeah like he he like he always wants to be the good guy yeah yeah he wants to help everyone he wants to do the right thing you know yep. and he yep. struggles with it but he always has good intentions yeah because like he could easily ask for sole custody you know but like he's like oh, oh, yeah. i'm good with joint custody i'm good with this and that yeah and a fun fact is nicholas cage is a big fan of this movie he called jim cummings after he watched it and according to nicholas cage they almost instantly became friends yeah this, <laughs> I, it would be so interesting to see them act like together against each other or yeah or, or against they, each other yeah. yeah yeah either together like as see i don't think it would work if they were like but like a buddy cop sort of thing but right it, it could work if they were like bouncing off of each other you know, as like yeah, a, if they were like biz, like battling business owners or something. Like in Bob's Burgers, the guy who has the store across the street. If they had that kind yeah. of dynamic, you know. Yeah, or like uh, <laughs> like face off. If they were like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, there we go. Adam Wingard uh, in this remake. Uh, Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard. This remake of Face Off. There's your actors. Uh, Nick Cage reprises his role, and then Jim Cummings comes on to be his his uh, his opposite. There, there we yeah. go. Yeah, but they like play off of each because they definitely kind of have the same energy a little bit. <laughs> they definitely do. Like they have that neurotic energy. I, I, you definitely could see that. But like, also, they're very. They make very down to earth. Like the like pig, pig and Thunder Road. They're very relatable. I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but like, even and with- also they they interestingly share the theme of being about loss. Yeah, definitely. And that'd be an interesting double feature one day. A pig and a... It would. Thunder Road. <laughs> it would, because tonally they're quite different, but thematically there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, I, I'd almost say you'd have to watch Pig first, and then Thunder Road. Yeah, uh, I don't know. P- Pig's got a little more of an... That'd be interesting <laughs> to watch them. It would be. Maybe we'd do that for movie night one night, avoid video Discord or something. <laughs> Hell of a double feature, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, I also like the relationship between him and uh, his like, what's that called in the force when it's like their part, their partner, I guess, right? Yeah, partner. Uh, that they, yes. they kind of that ride in the car together, like the patrolman who ride in the car together. You know, his partner. Yeah, who is uh played by Neekin Robinson, and he pl- his name is Officer Nate Lewis. But uh, yeah, I like their like dynamic and like friendship because like at one point. You're like, how can they ever be friends again? But like, <laughs> you know, th- their bond is like much stronger than one exactly. outburst, you know? Yeah. And it kind of too shows a situation that, that sheds some light on that too. Is just like, and I won't, I won't spoil this situation, but it's just like, these guys deal with, with tragedy together uh, all the time, you know? And yeah. And it, it, that there's no way you can experience tragedy together with another person. And, and whether you like them or dislike them overall, there's no way you don't have some sort of bond there. You know, that's that's like an unexplainable bond that you can't formulate into words for other people. You know, it's just you understand it because you went through it together. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I forgot uh, I was going to talk about the police officer thing and why he's a police officer in this movie. But yeah. Uh, so he did talk about this in his spaces before, and he was talking about how somebody he knows actually had experienced something similar to this at a funeral where, like, someone had gotten up and performed and, like... Oh, wow. You know, he kind of, like, stuck with that, like, oh, man, how would that work? And, you know, how do you do that? And then he also was fascinated by, like, police officers. They wear their uh, uniforms to funerals. So he, like, kind of, like, meshed the two together and was like, how would that look that they're performing, but they're also in their police uniform. <laughs> like, you just what a crazy way it. to approach this idea. Yeah. 
he was like, oh, that's cool how they have to, like, go to a funeral in uniform. And then also, like, someone he knows had seen something like this. And like we've already said, I think opening with the funeral is, is so brilliant, you know? Because, yeah. like, we, you mentioned that it's, like, the it's like taking the end of, of what will be the end of a normal movie and making it the beginning. But also, it in 10 minutes, you're, like, 100% on this guy's side already, you know? Because you can tell he's unhinged, but he's just so genuine and, like, so... Uh, just likable i think uh, i don't even say he's unhinged he's just like he's dealing with a lot of things he is yeah he's 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 not even unhinged but he's just like uh on the edge of his 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 stress level is to its boiling point you know like he's yeah he's under a lot of pressure from almost every angle and it's I too also, much for him i think he pulls off something really hard too where like we never meet his mother but, like, her presence is felt throughout this movie. Like, if she was there, you know, to comfort him or, like, you, you feel like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, a lot good of the point. Situations... He does a good job of that. Yeah, of portraying those situations. The mother's, he doesn't have a mother's support, you know? Yeah. He doesn't have any support, really. Because, like, he, oh, yeah. you know, he doesn't really have any other family support besides his officer, like, his uh friends at the police force really yeah because like his sister lives super far away and they didn't even show up to the the funeral right like mm -hmm. his brother or his sister so like he's kind of left to deal yeah. with all these things going on in his life by himself yeah and i mean he and he has his daughter but she's a teenager and she's to the age where like she doesn't want to be around her dad teenagers don't want to hang out with their parents you know and they she was super embarrassed by the the funeral, the dancing at the funeral and stuff. And I yeah, the and people people gave this man a very hard time for this. He, yeah. was, he was mourning, you know. He didn't know what to do. But it's also <laughs> accurate too, like the part is. Uh, where the guy's recording him, like for YouTube or whatever, and he's like, yeah, you know, like that's what would probably actually happen, which is kind of fucked up. But it is, but that is honest to what would, like you said, realistically happen. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you could see the daughter even picking up some of the mother's tendencies. So, like, that's hard for him to grapple with, too, that he's, like, his own kid is starting to become the thing that he divorced, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, and I, I, I love the, the kind of portrayal of that father-daughter relationship, too, because it's it kind of accurately portrays how much self-doubt comes with raising a child of any gender, but especially highlighting how tough it is when you don't share the same gender with your child and you're raising, you know, like a daughter as a father and and it it's so hard to relate to their situation but you still have to be there for them in some way, you know, and yeah, and, yeah cause you could tell there's like a there is a little bit of a disconnect between them when they're together. Like right. you could tell that she kind of would rather be with her mom. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's it also though I think it it points out and kind of portrays an aspect that a lot of movies don't. A lot of movies portray parents as like the bad guy or parents as uh, a bad light you know but it, it is like hard to be a parent you know i have three kids and it's tough like it's there's always something going on and you always question yourself how you handle it you know you even if it's something small you're like you doubt yourself you know you're like should i have handled this that way or should i have given them that advice or you know you question yourself a lot and it's also tough being a kid, which I think he also portrays pretty well, because you don't have control over your life. You know, you're at the mercy of often shitty adults, uh, and and I like the way that he fairly kind of portrays those two sides of that father-daughter relationship. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of a uh, very. It's a very human story at its core, and I think that's what makes this the best one. 
and also like yes. the most relatable if you relate to this like these characters like, definitely it's probably gonna be your favorite and you know i've probably got a little bit of setting bias here too because it is set in a southern setting and uh yeah you know i like some movies set in places i've been or or lived uh but yeah i i, I love the way like you said it just feels so genuine and it feels so human you know great writing great performances and it's it's very i think jim cummings in general is great at being objective when he depicts moral issues uh he always makes an effort to show both sides of it yeah i i, I would say he's less objective in the beta test because he's kind of like out to get those he is with that portrayal definitely yeah <laughs> there's not much objectivity in that one <laughs> Yeah, it's like he does, though, take, I think, a controversial subject matter and execute it pretty gracefully, though. Uh, yeah. But it definitely is more one-sided than uh, than the other two. Yeah, and maybe maybe rightfully so, and maybe through his own experience, yes. that one was the most personal to him, or maybe the one that he's been waiting to make, you know? Yeah, right, exactly. And it, it, uh, it mentioned, too, in the trivia on IMDb that he drew from real life you know testimonies and and information given to him by assistants agents and ex-agents uh so he did put some some factual you know stories into it into into how he wrote it and how he structured the situations which is cool yeah. that he went that to that length you know yeah but i guess to uh wrap it up um what do you want to see next from uh jim cummings or like is there anything in particular there's i would love to see jim cummings just make another uh like a, a kind of similar to thunder road like another drama but i would love to see him tackle just more of a, a straight mumblecore drama because i think he's a really strong dramatic writer like he's good at, at writing emotional scenes and powerful scenes and i think if he took something more like more uh, that was less focused on the comedy you know i I, yeah. I think it'd be cool to see him tackle that something that was way more serious dramatically and i think he could pull it off and not yeah. that I want to see it next, but I, I do wonder what a Jim Cummings sci-fi movie would look like. Yeah, that would be interesting, a Jim Cummings sci-fi movie. <laughs> um, like, what the hell would he make? <laughs> yeah, I would be curious to see a Jim Cummings script without Jim Cummings' face in the yes. leading role. How, how he would direct somebody else to do that, you know, to give that power to, you know, to tell his story. I'd be interested yeah. to see. Or even him acting in a, a movie he's not directing. I'd be curious. But, you know, anything Jim Cummings directed and or acted, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I'm I'm all in on Jim Cummings. Uh, he's he's makes great movies and he just honestly comes across as just being one of the most genuine filmmakers out there. You know, he's like he's super transparent about stuff. Anytime I've heard him talk, he's, he's came across as being honest and kind of humble. And he's a, he's a great mentor and resource for for up and coming filmmakers. And like with the spaces and stuff, I've heard people come in there and ask him questions. And I've got I've myself written down a lot of stuff he said as as great filmmaking advice and general advice and, and dealing with the business and stuff, too. He's just a genuine dude, I think, and that that's really cool and rare in today's society. Yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say is uh, I did get a little info on his next movie. Not much, but he did say that his next movie is going to be about making movies. So, yeah, I don't know ah. what that means. So, like, is, 
it's going to be a behind the camera sort of thing instead of the Hollywood agent. Yeah, I'm interested uh, now that you said that because I, I like movies about filmmaking. I think that's an interesting, yeah, fascinating yeah, thing to watch. And there's there's several of them. A couple of my favorites are like Living in Oblivion. I really like that. It's a 95 movie with Steve Buscemi. But that movie's really good. And then the TV set also. A Jake Cast's movie from 06. Yeah. David Duchovny. And it's about TV production. But I really like seeing that, them tackle the movies about filmmaking. Yeah, so I'm assuming it's been, you know, a couple of years between each one. So we might see it in 2023, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 2022. I don't know. Maybe he's getting faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like what this guy does. And he brings his, his visions to life as, as cost-effectively as possible. And tries to do it without having it compromised by traditional production routes as much as possible. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest compliment I could give him is when you're watching a Jim Cummings movie, you know you're watching a Jim Cummings movie. Just has like a very it's it's the energy about it. Like there's no mistake yes, in it. And I sure. think like as an artist, that's a really high compliment that it is. Yeah, that's something you, know, you strive for, I think, as an artist is being, to be being a unique vision. Yeah, have a, have a unique voice and and have people uh you know associate a style directly with you is is a big thing. And I think yep. he definitely has done he did that right out of the gate. He's like with these three movies he's established, you know. Yeah. His, and the uh, three very different movies too. So like that they makes are. it even more impressive. Yeah, I, I I think Jim Cummings is uh one of the most unique voices for sure that's that's working right now and and I'm all in like you said on anything this guy does at this point if there's uh, uh any jim coming movies you haven't seen go check them out and uh so there's only three and they're all 90 minutes so it's not a long sort of i exactly. mean you could watch jim cummings entire like filmmaking filmography before you could watch one lord of the rings movie so <laughs> <laughs> you know we always gonna fit in lord of the rings jabs on here <laughs> But yeah, I, I definitely am all about some Jim Cummings moving forward, and and I'll definitely watch it all and go follow him on social media. I think he's a great you know benefit, a great resource for for people interested in filmmaking. Uh, and check out the spaces on Twitter, and he has a couple YouTube videos too that are pretty cool and informative. I was gonna say, I wish he'd go back to the YouTube thing. I like that the YouTube three sixty thing. Yeah, I've really liked those as well. Those those uh kind of it's almost like filmmaking vlogs a bit, uh, yeah, which is really are. cool. Oh. Wasn't P- PJ was on one, wasn't he? He was, I believe, yeah. They talked about the beta test a little bit before it yeah. was out, I think. Yeah, and check out, uh, I'll have an interview going up on the website this week, as well as some announcements regarding t- Void Video 2022 rolling across social medias here uh, very soon. And as always, thanks for coming to Void Video. Void Video.